to Innovating Humanity, the official podcast for Birmingham Tech. I'm Jude Jennison, the host of this podcast, and I'm the founder of Leaders by Nature, a leadership and team development company. I work with senior leadership teams to help them align through behavioural change. In this podcast, we'll be exploring the intersection between technology, humanity and leadership and looking at how we use technology to be more human and increase emotional connection and enhance the way that we live and work. I'll be interviewing leaders from technology businesses who are at the forefront of changing how we live and work. You will not want to miss this. Some of the conversations have been enlightening and inspiring and I hope you enjoy them as much as I have done. Joff Walters is co-founder of Million Labs, a business using pioneering no-code technology to launch new businesses quickly, effectively and successfully. One million of them in 10 years. That's their mission. What Joff and Million Labs are doing to enable entrepreneurs to launch tech businesses with little or no cash blew my mind. I'm sure it will yours too. But this isn't just about the tech. It's about business being a force for good in the world and human beings taking advantage of technology so we can be more human. Have a listen. Hi, Joff. Thanks for joining me today. Hello, Jude. Can you tell us who you are and what you do, please? Yeah, sure. So I am one of the two founders of an organisation called Million Labs. Um, Million Labs is a no-code business that helps founders really start their journey as a startup. So we deal with pre-seed startup companies and we help them develop their technology and launch it to market. So when you say no code, what do you mean by that? That's that's the first question everybody should ask. So I guess um, uh, no code as as a concept has been around for a long time. Basically, it is the theory that an individual with absolutely no understanding of how to write software could come to a tool or a platform that looks a bit like PowerPoint or is a visual editor anyway, and move some things around the screen, create something that looks like an application, and that piece of software would compile all of the code that is required to make that into a reality and launch it to the world. And that users that then come to that piece of software would not know that it had been built by, um, you know, by a machine rather than by a human being writing code. Um, so it's kind of the democratization of writing software so that anybody can do it rather than just developers. That's what no code means. Wow. So you've blown you've blown my mind already in the first, <laughs> in the first two minutes. So what, what kind of people come to you? Um, well, this year, I mean, we 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 didn't expect no code to happen the way it has happened in 2020. So I guess as a bit of background, no code as a theory has been around since time began. Um, going back to to kind of Visual Basic and COBOL and things like that, there was the theory that, you know, these would help people write software and they didn't really, it was hard to use. And then in 2018 to 2019, enormous amounts of investment went into kind of no-code platforms, um, billions of pounds. And we started to see visual editors coming of age, maturing, if you like. Um, And so... By kind of 2019, people were starting to wake up to the fact that there were these tools out there that they could use to build mobile apps and web apps, you know, uh, and do that really quickly and really cheaply. And then when 2020 hit, um, we got COVID-19 and all of a sudden lots of people redundant and uh, on furlough. 
And so lots of people went on the internet and Googled, how do I start a business? Uh, and what that meant for us being really the only no code people in the UK and probably the fourth largest in the world, um, we just got hit by a tidal wave. So we've started up about 200 businesses so far this year. Wow. Um, and they are, to answer your question, every type of person um, you can imagine for all, from all over the world, from every walk of life, because the cost has dropped through the floor to build technology. Um, because the the time it takes to build it is has shrunk so much you know anybody can build whatever they want to build so we've got a startup that's co-founded by a dad and a daughter uh the daughter's eight years old and she wanted to build a business that helped people find ice cream vans right oh, now wow. <laughs> that was never going to happen two three years ago but now because it's so cheap and easy to build that that's a business that application will be launched in the next kind of couple of months um, we've also got people building banks. So it's, you know, it, it's, it's kind of everybody is using this technology to, to speed up their, their launch journey. But the thing we like about it is this mad democratization of anybody can build, anybody can build anything, you know. I love, I love that because as somebody, you know, I'm somebody that has no real technical knowledge. I, I'm in the same way as I can drive a car, I can use a computer, but I don't have any understanding of what's going on in the background of it. And I have no inclination to. And one of the things I was thinking about only this week was with the with technology being increasingly used and exponentially driving the way that we live and work. Does it mean that the people who don't have a technological bias get left behind in society? And this was a question I was asking myself only two days ago and and wondering so so where you're taking me now is that actually what you're saying is if you can have an idea and have the creativity to dream up here's a here's a problem and here's the solution that I'm wanting to create to that problem then in theory that person could then start up a business and use the technology to to support them yep absolutely and and the crazy thing is I mean we we're doing a speech at tech week where we sort of feel like we feel like the, the the crazy people we feel like we're performing magic tricks because we still get i'm an investor in companies and i still get people coming to me and saying you know could you give me seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds to build this piece of technology that we want to to launch in two years time because it's going to take us that long to get there and we have somebody in the lab we call it the lab you know a million labs We'll have somebody in the lab that's building the same thing for ten thousand dollars that will be there in three weeks time it's that factor of of speed versus of speed and, and cost efficiency is has hit all of a sudden um and what what that's doing is it means that any to, to your point you know if somebody has an idea it's really easy for them to make that real right it, it's done very 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 quickly um and we love that because that means that if I go back five years, if I wanted to launch a, a piece of technology to market, I had to get investors to, to invest in it because it was, you know, it was so costly. I couldn't possibly do it myself. And I'm, I'm, I'm using air quotes, sort of oneself, if you like. Um, and that meant that I had to be building something that would be world dominating. I needed mm. to take on Mr. Zuckerberg or, you know, I, I, I had to build something scalable and massive, an Uber, a, a Facebook, a Twitter or whatever. Right Now, because it's so cheap and easy to launch technology, I don't have to attack a market that big. 
I can attack a, you know, I can build something for the Women's Institute in Litchfield where I live. And that's a perfectly big enough market. So what we have now is this this thing where technology can serve more niche and more interesting um, problems. Right. And that's wonderful. We're getting back to the the concept of the local business, but local doesn't necessarily mean Litchfield. Uh, It can mean um, firemen all over the world. Right. Mm-hmm. So a very niche community that all have the same needs can be served by a piece of technology that does helps them to find the right respiratory gear, gear or something. You know, um, so I think that's the that's the really interesting kind of thing about this this wave, if you like. Yeah. And it's interesting because because then I'm I'm my question and I don't know what the question is yet, but it's something around like that balance between local and global and and niche and and that that whole um it, it really busts that myth around that technology has to be world dominating and and i think we're starting to see where actually that's not always a positive thing where technology starts to be world dominating and starts to then drive us actually where you're shifting the as to is how do we then develop technology that serves our need Yep. rather than serve somebody else's need, which is to create a big global dominating technology business that makes a shed load of money for a small handful of people. Yeah, I mean, if you're trying to build something that serves everybody, it, it ends up being, it's really, it, it's actually quite bland. <laughs> I can't think of a better way to put it, right? But where we're talking about things that service service kind of fringe needs, it can all of a sudden be something really, really, really interesting. I mean, we talk about the the, the little girl building the application to find ice cream trucks because actually that that is that's so sweet and such a you know to an eight year old that is what matters, right? <laughs> that's great. I, wish I could have done that when I was eight years old, <laughs> right? But but if you let everybody engage with technology, no matter who they are and where they come from. Um, they all of a sudden, all of a sudden technology is going to start solving problems that we could never even imagine were there before. And they're coming from the people themselves. We're talking to a founder at the moment who's, uh, I guess, a mental healthcare nurse. Um, uh, and he's a, a black guy. And he noticed within his sort of day job that um, people that were coming from the same community as him weren't as willing to engage with mental health care as some of the other communities that he dealt with and so that's a very personal um theorem if you like a very a very personal um idea that he's got and he wants to find a way to communicate with his community and bring them better services now the nhs might think about doing something in that space but for an individual to be able to tackle that problem was was well out of the reach of certainly out of the reach of a mental health care nurse Mm. and now we're in a space where he can start to think about well actually I'm gonna I'm gonna go at solving this myself I've got a little bit of savings I don't actually need pretty much any savings I could learn to use the technology and and then go out and start to talk to people living around me and build up from there Um, and so it's absolutely fantastic to see that people can start to solve problems from their own experience and some of those will catch fire you know, some of them will be the maybe not unicorns of tomorrow, but the things we all talk about, you know, because we've seen, you know, seen them grow in popularity. And I kind of think these are the indie. It's like the indie musicians of of the future. You know, yeah. uh, they're not Elton John, 
but they they might certainly be the wonder stuff if uh, if I use a a, a local <laughs> reference. Yeah, absolutely, and I, and I love that because what I'm hearing is that when when I think as the, as an average person, we we all see the certain problems in the world, and and often one of the things I often find is that there's that sense of I can't solve all of the world's problems even though I want to, but actually what I can do is solve one or two of them. And, and so in the past where I might have just said, oh, well, it's just a problem, I'm just going to ignore it. Now what, what I'm hearing is actually, if I have an idea, I could investigate whether, whether it's a problem that is worth solving and then go away and do it. Yeah. And, and that it doesn't need to be the next big Facebook to get huge amounts of investment to make it work it can serve a very niche community and i and in some ways what that does is it it means that that we are we can all be different yep you know and what it what it means for me is because I've, I've always been a bit of a maverick so i've always done things differently to lots of other people but not necessarily technologically and and what it says to me is oh you you're joining the dots between other mavericks or yep. you know you know, and, and therefore you're not in isolation because you're a maverick in, in the general mass community, because I'm sure there's plenty of people like, who are, you know, weird, as weird as me in different areas. And everybody's weird in their own way. Yeah. <laughs> That's the great thing about them. You know, last night we had an intake into our pre-incubator last night. Um, and one of the guys is a, a former ballerina, former sea captain, former um bunch of different things 65 years old starting his own startup at 65 years old and he's now a guy that picks a very specific type of mushroom not 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 the ones that send you loopy just just ones that are nice for cooking with um and he said there's the buyers and the sellers in the market it's a really inefficient market some days nobody wants to buy mushrooms and they all go off and some days everybody wants mushrooms and there aren't enough of them so he said i'm going to build a, a marketplace application specifically for making efficient trade of these very specific mushrooms in north america right i'm like he is he is the most outrageous character on earth and yet that's that's a reasonable piece of, that's a technology solving a very real problem in in a very niche space that he's in great um you know and it doesn't you know it doesn't take a former ballerina sea captain to come up with that just take somebody that cares a lot about mushrooms <laughs> well, and that for me what this is doing is it's turning on its head what it is to be an entrepreneur because i think in the past people have you've either been a technology entrepreneur or an other kind of entrepreneur but actually technology can be uh, can underpin any business and can enhance it and and what i'm hearing from that is that you're creating a, a solution that means that the people who are passionate about mushrooms or ice cream bands or whatever they're passionate about or mental health in in nursing in the black community they can focus on what they're good at and use the technology to enhance the reach and to and to create so i think I think we're reverting back to being the old style of entrepreneur. When I started out, I started out a long time ago. Uh, I went to a business course and everybody on my business course was talking about being window cleaners or, you know, opening a shop. These are small business ideas, but they're perfectly reasonable business ideas in that they create the salary. Right. 
And then for the past kind of 10, 15 years, you know, startups at first Tuesday meetings had to be talking about something that was going to destroy the entire world. So they're very, very, very unlikely to succeed, incredibly unlikely to succeed. And now we're reverting back to people being able to build businesses that will maybe only ever generate them a salary, but the digital businesses. So the one thing that's disappearing is the concept of, of sort of physical locality almost. You know, they're not, the first thing in their mind isn't, I must get an office. It's, I must get a piece of technology. Mm. And that piece of technology is going to be the thing that allows me to do what I do. So not a shop front, it's an online shop front. Um, but it's more than just a website. It's a, an application that's going to solve a very specific thing that goes between two, two spaces. And they're doing that for, for next to nothing. You know, so if it's maybe whether it's time that they're burning or whether it's money they're burning, it's still only like 100 hours or, or kind of 5,000 pounds that gets them to the point where, and that's congruent with, you know, opening a shop front or buying a van, you know, not, not trying to build Lloyd's TSB. And that's where we're getting back to. So it's almost like an old way of doing business again. It's an old investment idiom again, you know, mm. and that's great. That's where what this kind of whole no code thing is about. Um, uh, and presumably, I, I think you that's can even get startup, presumably you can even get startup loans for five thousand pounds because I know you can get five thousand pounds to buy a van as a as a painter. So presumably you can get a startup loan to to design the app that if you've got a strong enough business case. Yeah, I mean the people that are going through our that we we have a do it yourself stream and a and a will do it for you stream in in Million Labs. You know, and that's why I sort of talk about the average kind of first technology build is about five thousand pounds. But for the do-it-yourself guys, it's a hundred hours of their time, so it's in effect free. You know, um, now we've got all sorts of um, schemes and grants and and things that are coming into this space where we're seeing people get innovation grants or green technology grants because we get a lot of green tech, we get a lot of very interesting um, propositions coming out that attract grant money. But actually, you know, I, I kind of want to say to people, you don't even need to wait for that. Just roll up your sleeves, go build it. You know, that's the wonderful thing about this. If you've got an evening free once a week, you can start to set off on that journey. And, you know, we see businesses go revenue in 16 weeks. You know, they start out with an idea and 16 weeks later, they're earning money. Um, and the only worry is that they pay their taxes properly. <laughs> you know, that's that's really it. Um, so I don't think there is any barrier to entry anymore. And that's brilliant. That, I mean, that's just fantastic. And for me, this this is such a great example of how the development of technology is enhancing the way that we live and work because it's opening it's opening doors to, to everyone. We're on a level playing field. You've only just got to come up with the idea and, and, and go do, you know, and, and ideas are, are easy in many ways. There are many of them. I think, um, I think, you know, what do I think we ought to say as we, I don't know what we're like for time, but I think the world is waking up to this currently. So we, we still see major businesses spending hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds doing things that we're doing for tens of thousands of pounds. And it's going to start biting because, you know, uh, just speed and low cost is going to mean that the people that are slow and expensive will get outcompeted. That always happens, right? Um, and so we feel like 
we, we, we sort of feel like we've peeped behind the curtain and nobody else has seen behind the curtain yet. So all these young founders that we're working with, I say young founders, they're not young, they're everybody, you know, like I say, we had two 65 year olds last night. Um, all these founders that we're dealing with, um, they're behind the curtain as well, but they're still like, a, it's still like an echo chamber. It's still a small group in the no code world. Um, but in that group, the people that are just muscling in are, you know, Microsoft and Google. Google bought uh, an OCO platform this year. You know, Amazon just launched an OCO platform. So it's going to be something that everybody is aware of very, very quickly. Um, and so, so we kind of feel like Mugatu shouting, um, you know, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills when we're talking to, to, to people in business sometimes. You know, why the hell are you spending so much time and energy on this? We just did it in the lab in four weeks, but it will catch up really quick. The whole world will wake up to this. Um, and there are, when things become fast and cheap, there are lots and lots of other problems for us to consider. You know, competition is going to explode. The pre-seed funding space is destroyed because there are now 100 businesses where there were one. Um, and, you know, um, seed capital Series A has halved in the past two years. So getting funds to go from being a small startup to a large company, that scale up space, that's just that's gone upside down and inside out. We're trying to understand what that needs to look like now. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we're right at the start of this. We're, we're really only six to nine months into this boom in no code. Um, and it's really difficult to know what the next two years are going to look like. But they're going to be exciting. And that's the main thing. <laughs> well, I get I get that already. I, I have no doubt about that. Um, and I'm really I'm really excited to know how that how that shapes and how it forms. I, I, we've talked a lot about the tech. I want to shift our attention to the human side of it. What what does what does this kind of technology mean for humanity? And I know that's a massive question, but I just <laughs> your it's deliberately a massive question because I want you to go where where you want to go with it. Do you know what I, I think? You know, I, Simon was telling me off because I was likening no code to. It's not like AI, and it's not like um, blockchain, or it's not a technology that has a specific use case. It's a sort of global layer enabler, right? You know, like, and I said it was like the internet. And mm. Simon, who I work with every day, Simon Jenner, who many people in Birmingham will know, said you can't talk about the internet anymore, Joff, because half the people that we're dealing with don't remember the birth of the internet. <laughs> So, oh god i'm getting on you know but it's the same as mobile coming to be which i guess is is a, is a more recent thing it becomes an enabler of everything and for people it was if we'd have talked about mobile phones um just as the first ones were sort of appearing in people's hands we never would have dreamed of trains full of people sat looking at screens playing you know um among us or whatever they're playing right um and when the internet came along, I can remember being in banking and, and people saying, well, you know, it, it's a flash in the pan. It's insecure. It's not, you know, nobody's going to use the internet for, for banking, you know. Um, and so it's really hard to know what this kind of paradigm shift in cost and speed is going to mean for, for humanity as a whole. But what I do think it's going to mean, in, in the short term, it's going to be like social networks. We're going to have new heroes that use it really early on, do something big and amazing, and everybody goes, look at that guy. And then everybody will pile in behind uh, and competition will go crazy. And it's really 
hard to know what that's going to do to um, to the market as a whole. What I do think is that certain companies that are purely digital services, you know, I'll say like, um, I don't know, Airbnb, right? It doesn't exist as anything other than a website, really. Um, these are things that will become massively competed because they're really easy to build. So I think that for developers, I know we're going a bit, bit back into techie, but I think the bottom end of development, the kind of digital de application build is just going to get wiped out because cheap and fast always wins. Um, so I think the development community needs to have a really, you know, a bit like Kodak when uh, digital cameras came along, they need to think really quickly about what this means for them. Mm -hmm. um, so I think these things are, are, are both worth talking about. And I think the skill set, therefore, that's going to be most in demand after this, you know, as it becomes easier and easier to make digital experiences happen, the skill sets are going to go out to the fringes. You know, um, Internet of Things, you know, um, building actual stuff again, robotics, you know, um, rockets, <laughs> whatever else, because those are the things that I can't get something to do really quickly and easily anymore. Um, so, it, it, you know, the engineers, my, my, my grandfather was a, a, a very famous engineer. He built the Radio Caroline boats and sort of bought in the, the era of Radio One. Oh, wow. um, and, uh, and I grew up surrounded by lathes and pillar drills and, and swarf. And, uh, and I think, you know, I think that those sorts of skills become interesting again to me making real things because making digital things has just become free so i think that's <laughs> so do you think then that what what that means is that it it means we we revert to being more human and let the technology do what technology is good at i, I think not that binary i think one of the things i would say that we're seeing in this and it talks to something that a man called Bernard Leiter was presenting on back in 2002. He wrote the book, The Future of Money. Um, he's an interesting cat, Belgian guy. And he was saying that he could see sort of the, 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 the change in technology bringing about a time where um, people started having a main job that they did three days a week and then kind of almost a hobby thing that they did on the side. And we are seeing a vast amount of people that are saying, well, look, I can cut myself down to my business only needs me two days, three days a week because they're trying to cut back their staff because of COVID or because of whatever's going on at the moment. And I'm going to spend the other two days a week on this thing, you know, so I'm a doctor, but I'm going to build a, uh, an application for helping people with eczema manage their medication. Right. And I'm going to split my time between the two. And I think we're going to start to see that thing of me doing a bit of my day job and a bit of my thing that I enjoy doing, which is kind of somewhere between a hobby, but also it earns me money. Mm -hmm. um, and I think if you, you draw an exponential line or not an exponential line, but you draw a line out that says technology is going to replace us. It is already it's been replacing us for 30 years. Mm. At some point that becomes the interesting thing for people to do. Well, I've got to earn enough money to pay the mortgage. And then maybe I can experiment on something that will either give me a, a really really good retirement or frankly just bring me enough to kind of top up the top up the coffers or give um, me a sense of purpose in life absolutely if mushroom picking is your thing you know you don't want to spend your days in the uh <laughs> you know behind a till 
spending some of your time making money out of mushroom picking. <laughs> Gosh, I mean, I think I think the application of this, I, I could talk all day with you, Joff, and, and we're sadly running out of time, but the, the application for this just, it takes me to a place where, of, of hope and excitement, where technology doesn't always, because I think there's a lot of doom and gloom and mental health issues as well, but I think where this takes me is a place where, as human beings, we get to follow a, a sense of purpose in life, our passion yep. to create problems, uh, solutions to problems that we've perhaps seen in the past but never thought we could resolve. What you're doing is making something really accessible and I just find that incredibly exciting and gives me so much hope for the future. I think if I had to finish on a point, we really, really early on said we're, we're used to being in that kind of mindset of an investor, right? Which is, that's a bad idea. So we're not going to engage with you anymore, right? Um, we can't see a way of that ever making money. So we can't keep talking to you. We're going to spend our time on somebody else. And we had to flip our head around. And we said, if we're going to be these no-code people, every single person that comes to our door, no matter where they come from and what they want to do, it is valid because they'll find their own way. If the cost of creating that technology is near zero, then they can try and try and try again and find their own way through through this, right? And so I, I find myself smiling through so many meetings and thinking, you're mad, but I love you, <laughs> you know, because you're gonna do something that nobody else has ever tried to do. And if you were to go to an investor, they'd say, stop, you're stupid, but we're gonna say, carry on, double down, do your mad thing, let's see where you get to. The mad things are always the most fun things. They always create the biggest fires. So, you know, it's great to be there. Well, and it, and it just takes me, or we could, we, we could just keep going, but it takes me to this um, sense of like this childlike play of like, and we, we so badly need more of that light creativity and playfulness in our lives and in our society, don't we? And um, yep. my goodness, you're creating that for us. Joff, I'm going to have to call it an end there because it's been fantastic to okay. talk to you it's been um, lovely to talk to you too jude thank you so much for your time that's fine wow joff has really blown me away i'm a non-techie who previously worked in a technology company so i've always avoided anything to do with tech believing it was beyond me now i find myself drawn into seeing that technology is not just for geeks it's for all of us and the sooner we take advantage of it, the quicker we can level the playing field. I genuinely believe that Million Labs are revolutionising startups, technology and humanity, and I'm excited for the future. How can technology level the playing field in your business? How can you be more human and let, do, let the tech do the hard work? That's it for this week. You've been listening to Innovating Humanity, the official podcast for Birmingham Tech Week. I'm Jude Jennison, host of the podcast and founder of Leaders by Nature, a leadership and team development company. I hope you've been as inspired by this week's guest as I have. If you'd like to know more about how I help leaders and teams be more human in a world of technology, you may be surprised to discover I do it by working in a field with a herd of horses. Sound crazy? All innovation's crazy in the beginning. So if you like to think outside of the box and get rapid results, you can find out more at www.judejennison.com. And if you'd like to find out more about the exciting technology scene in Birmingham, hop onto the Birmingham Tech website at 
www.birminghamtechweek.com. Until next time, that's it from me, Jude Jennison, the official podcast partner for Birmingham Tech.